Okay. Right, Hi. we are live. Go for it. It's uh, I, I, I use a tool called StreamYard to do this. And uh, the thing that I hate about it is the awkward waiting room before you go live, where we're all here, we can see each other, but we can't talk. <laughs> so, but anyway, we've passed that now. How are you doing, Mackenzie? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I'm excited that we have Matthias here with us uh, to talk on the, the second episode of the Developing uh, Communities podcast. So welcome, Matthias, and thanks so much for, for joining us here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, as, as, uh, as always, as every time, uh, I'm Mackenzie. I'm joined here uh, uh, by uh, Alex. I am the developer advocate at GitGuardian. Um, and uh, of course, Alex is a marketing genius slash guru slash uh, developer relationships uh, manager at PonyCode. <laughs> I don't like this uh, genius uh, saying. It's too much pressure on my shoulder. But but I, yeah, just saw, I saw that that's what your company said about you today. So I yes, thought I'd I, I'm a, Yeah, and my community manager uh, is, is trying to get a promotion, I think. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, PonyCode uh, AI-powered uh, unit testing tool. And uh, we have Matthias today, who's joining us to talk about this wonderful work that we understand more or less, or trying to learn to understand and trying to learn to, to, to put a definition onto it, which is developer relationship. And maybe you can say a few words about uh, who you are, Matthias, for the ones who don't know you yet. Yeah, well, there's probably a lot of people that don't know me, uh, hopefully. But yeah, um, I'm Mad, I'm developer advocate. Um, more specifically, I'm tech evangelist and I'm working um, at Always Data, which is a cloud provider. So, yeah. Welcome. Thanks. In our second episode. Yeah. I can see you saying like every time uh, I'm introducing myself every time, but it's only the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing has changed so much since last week. But actually, if we do this again next week, Matthias, uh, it, will, it will have changed for you. You're, you're uh, changing, uh, changing companies. Yeah, exactly. I'm leaving always tomorrow. This is my my last day tomorrow. So, um, so yeah. Last time, uh, as an official representation as a developer advocate for always data, but that's that's nice. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, let's jump in, Mackenzie. No, let's do it. Take us, uh, uh, take us to our first topic, Alex. Yeah, we we try to have a uh, new topics uh, every time, and, and uh, this week I've been browsing the internet, and I think the, the you are a code uh, security uh, company. I am a code quality company, so we are all all eyes on on uh, what's happening in 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 terms of security flows. Uh, and this year was not boring, I, I would say. Uh, Solar Winds had. Uh, a few uh, problems, uh, um, Microsoft as well. More recently, I think this week I was reading about the the, the post uh, the post mail uh, services who had a faulty software from uh, Fujitsu, if I remember well. Uh, all those stories um, really changed the the way we do our work. Um, I guess on the marketing side, on my end, it's it means that we'll have to build more reassurance and and prove to our users that we are following best practices and, and, and secure as much as we can. Uh, but uh, for dev relationship, I guess it also means something about changing the message or, or shifting to a different kind of, uh, of developer relationship. What do you think about that? Whew. Um, it's, it's, it's a challenging because going into crisis mode when you're, uh, you know, communicating with, with developers, it, is challenging, and one of the reasons why it's challenging is that uh, we, amongst the community as, as developers, very protective of uh, of our data, of our identities. We're very aware um, of of what this means. So, uh, being able to effectively communicate in in a crisis, uh, uh, such as what Solar Winds, as you mentioned, and 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 all of that uh, that has, it requires a, a good skill, empathy, and understanding. And uh, but I, I think it's, it's an important skill. Matthias, have you ever had to deal in a situation like this uh, to enter into a, to a crisis mode? Yeah, yeah. Um, there was um, when I joined the company three years ago. Um, we we were in this um, this uh, huge shitstorm with with Intel CPUs. 
um, due to the melt, uh, the melt vulnerability and something like that. We had to patch a lot of, of hardware directly on site because because uh, the, there was a problem with with uh, with the hardware itself. So we had to apply a lot of patches and um, and thanks to our uh, architecture and, and the fact that we maintain uh, our own security stuff. We, we were able to do to do that uh, really quickly because in a few weeks we patched all the all the, the the hardware and all the servers. But for other company, it was it was uh, really more difficult because they relied on on third parties um, providers. So uh, so they had to expect their own providers had to patch the system and so on. So um, so yeah, it's difficult to 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 reassure the clients and and to to be sure that um, we are all prepared in case of uh, any kind of emergency, any kind of crisis. And um, we saw that with uh, with the recent fire in in the OVH data centers, where a lot of people lost their data or lost their their, their business, and and um, our own customers ask us. Uh, really quickly in, in the next few days. Okay, where are our backups? Is there any backups? Are we are we safe in case of any emergency? So yeah, we, we have to be prepared in it. Uh, for me, I, I used to work in uh, the food and beverage industry ten years ago in China, and we had the and I was working for a baby powder brand, uh, uh, which what uh, you know I don't know if you're familiar, but there was a huge health crisis because of. Uh, poison baby powder. Uh, and so I remember that rule that is kind of can applies to every industry, which is address the issue, try to repair, fix it if, if possible, uh, and give time uh, to your users, to your consumers, uh, to and, and, and then try to build a trust again through uh, every channels and every assets uh, that you can. Uh, but always build that trust uh, backed on uh, real you know, real uh, upgraded security and upgraded protocols and processes. And uh, and that's the only way you want to do your work as a dev well or as a developer marketing or for any industry is like you don't want to uh, lie to people and, and try to get them back to you at any price. You want to do it the right way. Um, and that's how you build like a long term strategy to to strengthen your brand after such a crisis. Yeah, I, I think uh, one of the one of the things that is really important is to think about this uh, too. I remember when I first started in in uh, DevReal, and I asked a bunch of people on Twitter and uh, on LinkedIn, you know, asking for advice. And one of them was to kind of have have an emergency response in plan. And to me, it kind of seemed far, uh, foreign. But in security, this is uh, is so important to have a response plan in place for different types of security events, because when you're whenever you're breached, whenever you're panicked. Then you make the worst possible decisions uh, imaginable, and and this is the same as to uh, if you, if you have some kind of game plan to follow, and uh, and you've at least even thought about it, then then you can help reduce that panic mode of hmm. uh, of a crisis. But I can, uh, <laughs> it is not fun. <laughs> I cannot stress that, that it is not a fun experience. You can be planned. Uh, you can have everything in place, but uh, you know, if when you're when these things happen, especially if you're dealing with personal data or something of value for people, then uh, you you have to be empathetic and you have to uh, allow them to vent somewhat. Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. let's leave it there. <laughs> and and it's not just about like talking to users and, and people outside the company who are stressed by the situation is like that having a plan helps you to deal with the stakeholders within your company and the management is going to be stressed and developers are going to be stressed and people are going to be stressed around. So to have this plan B seems like perfect to say, we have a draft, we have thought about this situation and we have a protocol to follow and you can rely everybody, like get everybody behind that, that plan. I think that that's going to help to get through a, a tough week. Definitely, definitely, for sure. That's all I had to say about this. <laughs> well, such a light, fun topic to start with. Right? <laughs> <laughs> everyone's, everyone's left because no one wants to be a, a DevRel anymore. You scared them all away. <laughs> Hopefully not. No. But yeah. Well, episode well, two, that was the end. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>
one of the things I think one of the things that I'm interested about in hearing uh, and from and that and that we've we've talked about briefly is uh, uh, is conferences, calls for papers, and everything. And this is going to lead into the the next uh, area of the podcast. And I'm quite interested about this, uh, especially coming from COVID world now, where the conferences were completely flipped up on their heads, and uh, some survived, some didn't, some thrived. Some didn't. <laughs> so, um, uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting topic. But let's, if we start with just kind of, uh, Matthias, how do you find and select conferences that you want to speak to that you know, are going to be valuable, valuable to your audience? They're going to be valuable mm -hmm. to your company as a dev role that, uh, uh, and that are interesting of you and, and that's, uh, you can provide interest to it. How, how do you go about finding appropriate conferences? Mm, it's not that easy. Um, I'm giving conferences, uh, I'm giving talks at conferences for um, something like almost 10 years, something like that. So um, there is conferences I really know for a long time and I, I really love and really enjoy to be there and, and to 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 be involved in so um so uh those ones i try to stay here and and to be able to submit new papers um each year or, or each two years something like that um but there is also a lot of new conferences of new to our new topics that we we don't uh we don't really heard before and suddenly they they, they appeared so so you you do have to stay um, inform about what new conferences are, are coming and uh, why people want to create a new format, a new conference, and so, and so on. Um, there is few aggregators online where, uh, like um, um, CFP Text or, or Kodakayo or something like that, um, those websites are pretty useful to just to, to, to stay informed about. Uh, what is upcoming and and where we can apply, um, and how we choose them? Um, it's uh, a bit difficult because um, we have to know the conference just to know uh, which kind of audience, how many people will be there, how many speakers. Is there many tracks or just a, one track? Um, and to be able to 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 just to measure the the engagement of the different people in this uh, in this kind of events and this is not that easy so um we try to focus on um conferences where our own customers may be interested about uh new topics or, or new kind of useful contents not specifically related to our business but more to the developer business or front end business or web business and we Make a lot of tries, and sometimes it works. Sometimes don't, and we don't went to don't go to this conference anymore for the next time. So it it really it depends. And does that mean like you have now agreed of a minimum of audience ship or a minimum of followers on social media, for, uh, and then which you wouldn't participate or submit, or is it more focused over the type of language they follow or the type of trends that the conference is going to be about? Yeah, it's more related to the technologies rather than the, the conference by itself. Uh, first, because it's not always easy to find the the proper numbers, but the, the conference, we don't always know how many people is involved in or how many speakers there, there be in the conference. So uh, we could ask, but this, this is not always that easy to, to just uh, be in touch with the organizers before submitting the CFP. So I'm um, so sometimes we have the information, sometimes we don't. Um, the only one criteria that I try to apply is um, is about diversity. Uh, I I prefer when the conference is just full of white male people uh, speakers. I, I prefer to resign in this condition or, or just say that to the organizers if. If we don't have any any female uh, on, on stage, there will be a lot of problems. So uh, it's it's not normal. So we 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 do have to to embrace the, this issue and to find a solution. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But um, it doesn't. But um, yeah, I, I try to apply this criteria. After that, uh, we 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 are really 
yeah, more selective about the content of the conference, the technologies that will be that will be uh, uh, involved in it, and and so on. I I have a question, uh, kind of about call for papers. Now, this is one that uh, I've talked to a few people about, and it, sometimes it feels to be like a, a bit of a forbidden topic, and that is that when. Uh, it, it takes a lot of effort to write a good CFP, a call for paper for your conference, to try and get your talk published in there, um, especially without sponsorship yeah. uh, going in there. Uh, and it requires a, a lot of detail and a lot of thought, and you're doing a lot of it in face. So how unique is, is the conference? When you submit to a conference, do you have a pool of, I don't know, three or four uh, CFP topics that you, you pull from? Do you try and create a, an entirely unique one uh, for each conference? You know, or do you have one that's, that's awesome, that works really well, that you submit everywhere? Because it's a, it's a, it's a cost opportunity and, and time uh, mm. equation where if it uh, has to be 100% unique, that's okay. But uh, you know, where, where does the value in this come for everyone? Yeah. Um... I, I try to 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 keep some time to to just make some kind of research and try new technologies, new framework when they emerge, trying to find new new trendy topics uh, and to find what we could do about it and what we could learn about these new technologies, this new community, something like that. So um, I try to draft um, something like between six and eight new abstract uh, per year. And um, sometimes th this is, a, this is a, just a, a rewrite of the previous versions that were uh, really, really good, I, I, I thought, or, or where I had a, a lot of good feedbacks. Um, and sometimes sometime it's not. Um, usually, I, I'm try to keep two topics that really worked the previous year and to recycle them on the next year and try to 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 add four to six new topics um, on really different uh, different kind different kind of shapes um, because uh, sometimes you have a, a talk um, with a slot available for 45 minutes and sometimes it's just 20 minutes and this is not the same thing to do a, a, a talk and a session in, in 20 minutes or in, in 45. So you, you have to add some cuts in it or something like that. Um, well, so I have a new idea. I say, okay, um, this topic is pretty interesting. Um, I made some tries. I, I see the different kind of useful information that I can have about it. So I will try to find a story about it, um, try to find something fun to entertain people and give them some, some just some pleasure to, to learn a new, a new thing. And um, I draft uh, an abstract. And I try to rewrite it uh, frequently because, because uh, the more I, I'm able to rewrite it, the more uh, fine, the more the more uh, precise it, it will be. And then I submit the abstract uh, to different conferences. I try not to submit more than three papers at each conference because more is just a bit pushy. I really want to be there. I, I look, I am ready to push six topics at the same time. And for the organizers, this is not really interesting. We are just saying, okay, why... Uh, why did you really want to be here? What is the problem with you? Um, Leave me alone, Matthias. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but if you just submit one paper, it's um, you 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 decrease your your chances to be to be selected in in the final uh, the final pool. So uh, between two and three papers per conference, this is this is a, a good rate, I guess. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So once you've identified conferences that are of value to you and your audience and, and to everyone, then it's worth it's worth coming up with a couple of options for them. Uh, yeah. To proceed. I, I yeah. have two questions from there. One for Mackenzie, because you are doing code security, well, Git Guardian is doing code security, so I feel like maybe your participation is more focused on that, which can feel niche, but is also such a trendy topic. Do you build a lot of abstract every year as well? 
So uh, n no, actually, and and we're not we're not as advanced as uh, as Mateus and conferences. Uh, I, I'm certainly uh, uh, not in this. So what uh, we have uh, research projects that run simultaneously at Git Audience. So we researching about uh, uh, about security and code. We do this through the public data available on GitHub. And then when we compile those for internal things, then it presents an, uh, an opportunity for us to present those findings to uh, to, a, to a conference. So yeah, for, for us, when it comes to, if we were just to talk about what we do at Secrets Detection, of course, I could speak, uh, speak for a long time about Secrets Detection and just uh, Secrets Detection. But uh, I think for me, uh, what's important is Unless, unless we're on a very specific conference, it's that we talk about secrets detection as part of uh, an, of a presentation that is of interest to everyone. Because, uh, of course, I want to educate the audience about the problem. I want to to teach them. But if if you're not aligned with this, if you haven't had experience with this then a 45 minute talk about uh, something that uh, you're not uh, aligned with can be uh, can be challenging so i don't write a whole bunch of abstracts at the start it's more with the the research that's ongoing and then fitting that in with, with what we're doing does that make sense yeah it does <laughs> Um, and my second question, uh, which is for Matthias, is uh, more on the marketing side because you you were working for 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 your company. So uh, does your intervention have to fit the scope of of your company's strategic goals and 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 theme, or do you feel like it's more how how do you serve your company's objective through participating to conferences and selecting topics? Yeah. Um... It's not that easy because um, when you're uh, working on conferences like, like I do, you are um, more specifically on the tech evangelization part of the, the DevRel uh, position. And um, in fact, you're, you're just here to, to make a lot of noise, to bring people to, uh, and to raise the awareness around what you're doing. But it's not that easy to do um because when you you go to a, to um, to an event and you assist to at, you attend to the different uh, different sessions you're just here to to learn new things or to discover a new trendy topic or tech topic probably probably dive in or something like that and you're not you don't want someone to to be here just to to do the review or, or its own product. This is not interesting. This is not a, a pre-sale uh, uh, presentation. This is, yeah. So, um, so um, my position is is to say, okay, um, we could reach some kind of interest around what we're doing and and uh, and our product by just by showing that we are really good at what we are doing. So. We try to pick some kind of topics, go in front of people and saying, okay, you're working with Zeus technologies. This is what we learn about it. And this is what we 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 made some kind of tries. You may not have enough time to, to work on some research processes or something like that, but we had this opportunity. So so we made a lot of results around this new framework, this new technology. And um, this is what we learned about it. And because you're uh, present in in a, in a lot of events, at some point people are just saying, "Okay, but I saw this guy in this conference and this one and this one around three different topics, and each time it's pretty relevant." So maybe those guys are doing great work, or they are they know what they what they do. So uh, maybe their product is interesting, and we could we could have a look at of it. Yeah, I think what you say is is super relevant. The mistake that I made uh, when I joined as a developer advocate was that I thought that the position was actually a company advocate or product mm. advocate. You know, it's it's not. It's it's a or as you say, tech evangelist, which is a you know a, another step, kind of removed from that direct sales thing. 
it's something that if you have come from a different background, you can struggle with because you 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 feel like you should be promoting your company sometimes, mm. even though it never works out well because your 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 talks end up becoming less interesting, less relevant, and uh, it, it has an opposite effect. But it's it's hard. It's it's difficult to to draw that line. At least mm. I I have found that here. I feel like it also says a lot about the developer relationship position is, is, is that you can join a company whose, whose solution is part of a bigger conversation about solving code security, about solving code quality. I, I, like there are many examples, but because they are part of a, this bigger conversation, a developer relationship can just advocate for the company through being part of the conversation and being part of the answers brought to the table. Uh, and it doesn't have to do just self-promotion. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, but the complexity in it is that um, it's complex to really measure the consequences uh, of your uh, of your sessions and uh, and is it was was it a a, a, a good a good thing to to be there at this conference to take the time to prepare the talks and to to be there for one or two or three days and, and to be present and so on. And uh, is it really relevant? This is probably um, this is complex to measure, and this is something that you feel more than just having numbers about it. Um, at sometimes you you are just okay. I don't know, but there was a lot of really great conversations around the the, the talk by itself and the session by itself, and and we we were able to, to talk a, a lot in the background uh, of the of the whole conferences and. I have the feeling that we could have something great that is coming from it, but it's always a, just a, a gamble, and you, you're, you're, you just you have to, to to make it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, especially if you're kind of uh, results focused, uh, to uh, to translate that into a KPI that makes sense for uh, the sales team, the marketing team of of mm. your impact on that. But I think. The companies that want to employ a developer advocate or want to do it for the right reasons uh, or tech evangelists are looking at five, 10 years down the track. Yeah. And going to a conference uh, in 2020, having a relationship, uh, getting someone interested in uh, security and then uh, nurturing that over many relationships and then it moves up and then and then. Someone finds it and there's brand recognition, there's a positive experience, and it, it helps with the sales cycle. But that will never be attributed directly. You, <laughs> that chain squiggles so much that it's so hard to, to find it. But um, I think a, a good measure is if people are enjoying what you're doing, they find it useful, educational, and you are genuinely helping them discover new technologies, discover new problems, and think about things differently, then that will result in positive outcomes hmm. yeah definitely and this is um this is probably what is the most important part of the um, devrel uh, position because um um an interesting thing that um more and more for the last last month is last years we are talking a, a lot of um the developer experience and this is something I, I, I found really, really interesting because we're not just here to 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 consider techie people as a, just mad as they just want to to hurt themselves by putting some code each day long on their computers, but they are just users like everyone else, and they just want having the best tools to do to do their job and not to be in, in, in difficulties or with a painful framework or painful language or i don't know and um and this notion of de developer experience is is really interesting and this is our job as developer uh, advocates to to just be there for for the developers communities and, and to help them to 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 be ready to use our product and technology by itself uh, help them to 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 just be better at, at their job Definitely. How does that translate to you, Alex, as someone from uh, from a, a marketing point of view? 
uh, from this developer relationships point of view because you're probably someone that is typically very re results given. I uh, I can imagine that you have some data studios and some spreadsheets to to, to measure measure KPIs. What how 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 is it challenging to to kind of think about this differently for you from the marketing perspective? I I don't think if it's different. I think uh, I have an obligation to connect the dots as much as possible, and I have the chance to connect the dots because I the range of things I do goes from the very day to day usage of my tool and like watching how many how much people use uh, the solution and and where the the, the gaps to fill but also to have this soft power approach you guys have, which is go on top of the funnel and look around, step back and see how to be part of the conversation. Uh, and, uh, and, and so to, to be able to audience both sides of the, of the funnel is it, maybe it helps to sometimes have different uh, ideas. I'm not gonna say better, no, <laughs> no, no, different ideas. Uh, but uh, but it's such a new a new field in itself that I'm I'm still trying to figure out how to connect even in in my resource building strategy is like between a blog post between documentation between uh, conferences and between uh, the uh, everyday onboarding or newsletter what are the information I want to deliver and when should I deliver them to bring the best experience and the best relationship to the solution and to the conversation this, the, we are trying to be part of. Uh, and, but I'm, I'm, I've just bought online a book called uh, Developer Marketing Doesn't Exist. Uh, exist. So maybe maybe next week I will realize I'm not relevant at all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next week we'll have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's what one thing that's interesting, and I, and I kind of want to ask this to both of you. But uh, this, how do you present your results to you uh, to the team? Uh, you know, to, to the marketing, or, or maybe not uh, so personal as how how can advocates uh, present their KPIs in a meaningful way to people that don't understand the soft skills. So someone comes in to the company that uh, is very uh, data driven and. Uh, needs the results uh, how what well, is it challenging from a conference or that to say okay so this is the value that i got from the conference and these are the indicators you know hmm. that uh get that what, what are those indicators for you to present so, to the team yeah um um the indicators are are not that um precise um there is two things the first one when when we were able to travel and to meet people in in real life and not online, um, <laughs> uh, a good indicator is the number of people you are able to talk with um, outside of the session by itself, but just mm. people encountered uh, in the corridors or, in, or during the the the, the intermates during uh, between the, the talks and so on. So um, you could easily measure uh, this way if what you are doing uh, and what you present is interesting for the people or not. Uh, and, and you are more able to talk about your company and your product because you're not on stage at, at this point. So you, so you could say, yeah, I'm talking about that because I'm doing this kind of stuff and so on. Um, but you, you, you have to do a, a lot of work to, to interest people. Um, this is why when I can, I prefer to be um, on top of the of the track uh, rather than at the end of the day. Because when you are the last speaker of the day, uh, people are just so tired and not listening really well. And after you, everyone is going to their home, so uh, so you you won't have any anyone to to discuss or or um, or, or or else. So. It's not uh, it's not the best uh, the best position is a track list I guess at the end of the day, but um, but you could find a, as a solution to to engage conversation with people. I think the blue hair is pretty much a, a, re a, re a really really good tip. Um, <laughs> so as a, as developer advocates, let's do that. Uh, put bright colors in your hair. So 
I could be fall back to my natural color because I, I would be the only one to have a natural color in the conference. So, uh, so <laughs> I, I will be recognizable uh, as anyone else. <laughs> you know, when I was thirteen, um, when I was thirteen, I had I had leopard print here. I like I, I snuck off and I got leopard print here done. I think we should probably bring this back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> My mom Maybe. was not so happy. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, my first question to Matthias today was like, where, how did you get your hair done? Because I knew that was the best gross hack brought to the table today. I was like, okay, I need, I need the same. Uh, <laughs> an interesting thing is that I, I did that just for fun at first, but um, I realized that it would be really useful. Uh, I was at a conference in Seattle uh, two years ago, and it was really big, big stuff. This is a conference uh, named Connect Tech. It's a pretty big one in Seattle. And um, and uh, at some point, I, I, I heard one of the organizers uh, talking with uh, an attendee, and they are talking about security. And I had a, a talk about cryptography and how does it work and so on. And, um, and uh, at some point, I, I heard the organizer say, look for the, I, I had the radar at this time, and he said um, to the attendee, um, try to find the, the radar crypto guy. This is an interesting guy in the place. And, and I was just, okay, that's why I, I have these bright colors in there. So, um, so yeah, it's, um, it's definitely useful. I mean, all tricks so, are working. <laughs> Uh, and about the metrics, um, what we try to do is um, to have a, um, a voucher for each conference. And at the end of the slides, um, I, I, I have some kind of a thanks, thank you for being here as last slide. And I had in it uh, the voucher for the, for the product, just saying, okay, um, if you want to, to make some try with the product, uh, here's a voucher, you can use it, you can try the product by yourself. And uh, give us any feedback that you want. This is free for you, so let's try it. This is um, an interesting uh, way to, to try to measure. Is there any 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 um, more subscription on the platform, or uh, mm. or uh, that comes from this conference? And it's interesting for the long tail too, because um, often there is a video caption of the conference, so the video will be available online with a voucher in it. So even months or years later, you can be able to track if a conference is still um, useful because the voucher is still active on the subscription. So you, you can say, okay, this conference we met two years ago, I have still a subscription coming from it, from the video online. So um, this is an interesting entry point and you could capitalize on it. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, that long tail effect is uh, is so right. I, I feel like there are too many times where um, may, maybe people want to focus onto the number of subscribers the day of the event or the day after the event. And I feel my work has gotten much easier now that uh, Panicot has a bit of history uh, mm. because uh, uh, because when we participate for to a conference, for example, and there is a topic. Uh, that has a bit of success. Uh, what I try to do is to build wealth uh, and not popularity. And building wealth meaning recycling or reusing that uh, that that topic we we, mm. we had during the conference, for example, and built it into a written uh, blog post, for example, or a video, and or using it for you know uh, to talk to the media. Uh, and usually, it's a great way to uh, build wealth over that topic and 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 start uh, spark that conversation, and uh, and. At, after a while, after a few months, you compound uh, the figures of the blog post of the conference of, of everywhere where you try to distribute that and see how it builds a, a long tail. And I think that, oh. that, that shows that you built something from scratch and you didn't just like throw it to a conference and never, never you know, talked about it ever again. You actually try to build wealth to improve your, your speech, your angle, but also uh, increment with the, the reaction you get and with the other experts pitching in. Um, and, and yeah, doing compounds and long-term overview of the effect, would it be in reach and interaction uh, through different channels is for me is an interesting way to see how mm. the developer relation, uh, relationship work uh, uh, works and is effective. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It took me two years to to just 
figure out that um, I can reuse the same topic on different channels uh, and in different ways of communication. I'm also writing the blog, technical blog post at Always Data. And, um, and um, suddenly one day I, I, I was, I was uh, not really inspired about a new blog post to write. I'm just thinking a bit of it. And I'm suddenly I, I, I thought, okay, maybe I could write a, a small blog post, small introduction to cryptography, what it is. And it is probably one of the, my most successful talks, uh, actually. And um, so it was really easy to write because I had the material about it just to, to rewrite it and form a blog post. And it was really, really interesting to see the success of this blog post too and i said i said okay that that's nice because i could um just take the temperature of is it an interesting topic or not um and this is now the, i i cross the, the different kind of inspiration sometimes i think about a, a a new topic i write an abstract and after that i say okay but it could be a nice blog post too so i'm trying to to write an article that will be a good material to build a conference from that after that or i i, I do the 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 other way I, i'm just taking conference trying to revamp it in form of a, a blog post and um this is a good way yeah to to just to be able to to measure if it's an interesting topic or not and I think recycling is still a bad word too too often. Uh, the reality is like you participate to a conference and a few people are going to see it. And on the long term, like 12 months after, maybe a few more people. But repeating yourself through different medias is not a bad thing and is not yeah. a lazy thing to do. It's actually uh, working on to improving uh, uh, the way you storytell uh, that, uh, that topic. And I think it's really valuable for the company and for the, the developer community. Yeah, and the more you are repeating it, the more you are you are um, um, uh, taking it just for for you, and and you are um, improving it because you you are trying it on on different channel in front of different audiences. I perfectly understand that there is some some conferences organizers that that wants a brand new talk each time and want something that that was never seen uh, anywhere before. But um, for us as developer advocates, it's not that easy because writing a new talk each time is it's a lot of it's a lot of work and and and, uh, and a lot of things to do uh, in prayer of the of the conferences and um, and because you are reusing the same the same conference the same material each time it uh, it it refine it's more and more accessible more and more understandable. You're more fluent in explaining it, in, in transmitting your knowledge about it, and it is, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a nice experience for the audience too. So, um, so yeah, recycling is not a bad word. This is, this is a, probably the best way to do to do the thing <laughs> in our job. I, I also found uh, I do little polls and newsletters that I write out, and I, one of them I asked, uh, you know, what was the preferred method of, of of content that you consume you know is it technical blog articles is it documentation is it uh, cheat sheets is it, is it videos and it was a video slightly one but it was basically even like uh, within margins of error which led me to think that okay so people just like different types of content yeah. so by having something in a technical uh in like purely technical documentations is perfect for the the for someone and having a, a video with little uh, like code examples of you doing it helps to connect the dots for another person. So mm. uh, I, I think that if we're going to make the effort to do a conference talk and, and coming back to this, because a lot of this is that a call for paper is a lot of work with no guarantees mm. of anything, mm. um, especially when you're starting out. So just going into a game, okay, this is something interesting. And what's going to be interesting is we can turn this into a video or a blog post and it lowers that cost, the cost of opportunity there. Yeah. To do that. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I have one last question for Matthias. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what has been uh, the, the most uh, interesting or, or funny or uh, 
not a nice memory that you've had about speaking at a conference now <laughs> and and what do you reflect on it what's what's been a, one of the most challenging moments of a, at a conference or funny um um well it's um <laughs> okay i had one in mind um okay i have two in mind <laughs> <laughs> the first one is not on the conference by itself but it was a pretty fun moment so uh, and related to the conference so 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 yeah it was uh, years ago at a conference I really love that's uh, named Paris Web, which is one of the first French conferences dedicated to web and, and, the, and the front end and the quality. Um, and um, I was a speaker um, for the second time, I guess, something like that. So um, today, just before the conference, we were uh, all speakers invited to, to, to dinner and we were we were here and it was fun and we enjoyed the moment and so on. Then we went back to the hotel, and um, I had a, a really good friend that was speaker to at the conference, and he joined us just at, at the last moment at, at the dinner. So he, he, he didn't uh, go to, to the hotel before. So we went to the hotel after the dinner. Um, he asked for his room. He was going up uh, to his room and I see him um, going back from the elevator from the elevators um, taking his card key in hand and saying to the to the to the hotel desk um, excuse me but there is someone in my, in my room and <laughs> and the hotel totally messed the rooms and there was another speaker in, in the room that was <laughs> sleeping. So I said, okay, you know what? I have two beds in my room, so you can come with, with me. And because, because we met our slide at, at the last time, each time for each conference, we, we were up until five in the morning, just finishing our slide with some <laughs> loud music in the, in the bedroom. <laughs> and the next day, um, uh, the the speaker that was sleeping in in the, in my friend's room, um, we 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 told him about the the adventure, and he said, "Oh, but I heard someone this night in my room, and I was just is there someone here? But but I can't see anyone, so I don't know what happened." And I say, "Okay, you know what? This is this is my friend that was in your room, but you was <laughs> you you were sleeping so loudly that you you, you didn't notice anything." <laughs> it was a it was a pretty fun time, and uh, all right. The second one is is um, uh, didn't occur um, right now because uh, I have a dilemma for for an upcoming conferences uh, in June. I will be in the PHP International Conference in Berlin, um, and I will be talking. I have two sessions. Uh, with and one of them is the, the one about the cryptography. And during this talk, I have a slide with the Enigma machine, which was used to, to encrypt the messages uh, for the Nazis during the Second World War. And I have a joke on this slide where I say um, Enigma is virtually unbreakable. But, spoiler, the machine was broke during the Second World War. Otherwise, this talk would be in German. But I'm really not sure to be unable to do this joke in Berlin during this conference. So I'm still hesitating about it. <laughs> I'm still saying, hey, but I'm, I'm really not sure I will, I will do the jokes this time. Or, or otherwise, my girlfriend is saying, you probably should um, transform this slide and, and doing the joke in German. So I will probably try to learn just this joke in German and trying to do it this way. I will see. <laughs> <laughs> I respect the level of dedication to making your uh, session yeah. su successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I did a talk on uh, asymmetric encryption, and I used the Enigma machine as an example. Is that uh, the, in the war there was the people called uh, runners, and it was literally their job to I'll carry a sheet of paper to the members in the field with the combination of the Enigma machine set up to, to be able to read the messages in the field. They didn't think, you know, without asymmetric encryption, this is the, 
Amazon, every time you want to have Amazon, on Amazon, would have to send Alex to run across to the headquarters with a piece of paper to decode the, his order. But that makes me uh, miss going to physical event, like hearing your stories. I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to go back and meet people and those clumsy cringy jokes that can happen and those attempts and you know just people getting uh, outside of the comfort zone and the adrenaline attached to it i really miss it now yeah we developed in my last startup uh, my co-founder and i we developed a reputation that we would speak at uh, conferences but would always get the the you know like the startup or emerging technology or uh, you know, speaking positions on the you know low stages and would always try to get into the uh, the expensive tickets, uh, networking events, and all of that, just with our with our passes, and just oh, I didn't, I didn't realize. I go, oh, I'm here now. It usually <laughs> always works. <laughs> that's that's when uh, when you're on a low budget startup. That's how you got to get into the room. You just you just have to try. I'm I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. I'm I'm gonna try this one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have no uh, no more questions. I've certainly learned a lot. Uh, I think it's going to change uh, my process of, of going for calling for papers and uh, moving forward. I'm certainly looking forward to a time when uh, perhaps we can uh, meet up in person, uh, Matthias, uh, at a conference yeah. soon. I, uh, uh, I look forward to that. PHP like Berlin, no? Yeah, PHP Berlin, I hope. Um, this is an interesting format. They are trying to do something up some kind of hybrid conferences. The uh, conference will be on, on stage, in place, but they stream it uh, live and uh, in case the speakers can be there for some unfortunate uh, issues with the crossing borders, uh, then, yeah, we will be able to, to do it on stream, live, uh, from home, something like that. So we'll see. But I, I really hope to be able to, be, to go to Berlin in June, yeah. Maybe you can uh, share your, I don't know, social media so people can find you and uh, and listen to you over the summer. Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at mads at m4d underscore z because <laughs> the version without the underscore, it wasn't available at this time. So, <laughs> so yeah, reach me on Twitter and uh, I'm pretty active on, on this, uh, this social media. Yeah. Great. Well, I think that uh, that brings us to a close for tonight. We've we've gone uh, over time, which I think means that at least we had a good time. So <laughs> never mind. And so yeah, it, it was really nice. Thank you. And uh, thanks again for coming on. And I uh, hope that uh, uh, we can uh, we, we can uh, do this again and meet up in person. Yeah, I hope so. Soon. Awesome. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Uh... Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.